Knowledge Products presents Religion, Scriptures, and Spirituality, narrated by Ben Kingsley. This is on classical religions and myths of the Mediterranean Basin. As the modern seafaring traveler glides towards the Mediterranean shore, the dark sea brightens to become a sparkling turquoise pool. Ancient rocks line the coast and glisten in the sun, remnants of great civilizations that once flourished here. But these waters haven't always been so tranquil. 3,000 years ago, Homer's epic hero Ulysses found danger in sailing this vast sea. Now Zeus, the lord of cloud, roused in the north a storm against the ships, and driving veils of squall moved down like night on land and sea. The bows went plunging at the gust. Sails cracked and lashed out strips in the big wind. We saw death in that fury, dropped the oar, unshipped the oars, and pulled for the nearest lee. Then two long days and nights we lay off shore, worn out and sick at heart, tasting our grief until a third dawn came with ringlets shining. Then we put up our mast, hauled sail, and rested, letting the steersman and the breeze take over. The Mediterranean Sea has been nourishing civilization and terrifying sailors for thousands of years. It is the world's largest sea and the source of equally grand civilizations and their mythologies. Great gods and goddesses once were said to rule these waters and the lands around them. They also ruled the heavens and the mysterious underground caverns where the dead were said to dwell forever. These lands still reverberate from the powerful impact of deities like Ishtar and Shamash, Baal and Jehovah, Jupiter and Zeus. Modern Christians, Jews and Muslims alike owe a great debt to the ancient religions of the Mediterranean. Homer's contemporary Hesiod, writing in about 700 BCE, described a god named Oceanus, who was said to have been the father of all fresh waters. There were many daughters who were born to Oceanus and his wife Tethys. But there are also Oceanids, daughters of Oceanus, 3,000 nymphs with shapely ankles, who are scattered everywhere, over the earth and on deep water, glorious goddesses. There are as many roaring rivers, too, children of Oceanus, Lady Tethys's sons. It is hard for mortal man to name their names, but they are known to those who live nearby. Among these children of Oceanus were the Nile, Tigris and Euphrates rivers. These rivers in turn were the locations of history's earliest civilizations. The Egyptians emerged in the Nile Valley and the Sumerians and the Mesopotamians gathered along the Tigris and Euphrates. Long before these civilizations developed some 40,000 years ago, the human species became fully developed and began to practice rites of passage apparently to serve a basic human need for ritual activity. Our Paleolithic or Old Stone Age ancestors carefully posed the dead in symbolic fetal positions, 
decorating their skulls with ornaments of bone and shell. Their artwork reflected frequent indulgence in ritual. On stones, bones, and even mammoth tusks, they engraved elaborate images of wild birds and animals, ithyphallic men, and large-breasted, large-hipped women. All these images reflected their belief in a world filled with spirits, or animae, with which they could communicate. Through worship and sacrifice, these people strived to appease these animistic spirits so that they would ensure fertility, luck, prosperity and survival. These early humans migrated by foot or by raft around the world. Scholars believe that they travelled even to the Americas and Australia, walking or rafting over the shallow passes created by a rising and falling sea level. This changing sea level was caused by the beginning and ending of various ice ages over tens of thousands of years. A few people settled in the fertile delta between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, an area that would come to be known as Mesopotamia, which means between the rivers. Here one of the world's first great civilizations would emerge, and with it came sophisticated religious beliefs to address evolving human needs. When the biting edge of the last glacial ice flow receded around 12,000 BCE, the alluvial hills and plains of the Mesopotamian region bloomed with primitive forms of grain. Humans had hunted for their food for hundreds of thousands of years. Now those who settled in the Mesopotamian region learned to grow and gather grain. They used large stone mortars to pound the grain into meal, from which they could make porridge. By cooking the porridge, they learned to make bread. They also found that by allowing the porridge to ferment, they could make beer. It took thousands of years for these skills to be learned and disseminated, but the production of bread and beer was mankind's first technological revolution. Neolithic or New Stone Age humans, who lived between about 8,000 and 3,000 BCE, became even more sophisticated. They planted wheat berries harvested the crops and stored the grain for future use. And in developing these sophisticated skills, they changed human life forever. The waning of the last ice age, at the dawn of this Neolithic period, at last permitted the long march to civilization to be completed. And this was the immediate prelude to the beginning of recorded history. Over this five or six thousand years, a series of momentous changes occurred, the most important of them being an increase in food supply. This was the agricultural revolution, and nothing so sharply accelerated human development or had such widespread results until the industrial revolution some five thousand years later, beginning in the 18th century CE. Farming became Neolithic man's primary economic activity, and this soon led to other advances. Throughout the world, humans learned to fashion tools of stone, then of bronze, and much later of iron. They domesticated wild animals. Now that they could live in one place for an extended period, they learned to construct permanent dwellings. They mixed clay with water to produce ceramic containers. In these vessels, they stored the products of their labor, including milk, cheese, butter, and edible seeds 
such as peas and beans. As the first agricultural civilizations emerged, human spirituality also underwent a parallel evolution. The savage animal spirits from the age of hunting and gathering now became domesticated spirits of the farm. Neolithic farmers mostly worshipped the largest and most powerful of domesticated land animals, the bull. The bull became the chief male deity. One of the great archaeological sites from that era, at Shatal Huyuk in Anatolia, a region of modern Turkey, contains an entire room devoted to a shrine centred around a bull's skull. Neolithic humans also worshipped a fertility goddess. All of this worship was to ensure fertile land and good health for the crops, the animals and for humans. Above all, the Neolithic farmer wanted to maintain a natural harmony between the earth's animals, its crops and the sun and the rain that are so vital for fertility and growth. This desire for cosmic harmony was the motivating force behind primitive spirituality. Life was seen as a natural cycle of birth, growth, death and rebirth. Just as the harvest produced food for the coming season and seeds for the next, death for humans signalled the harvesting and rebirth of the spirit. The harmony of nature was comprehensive and the sun and moon in the heavens were in a sense believed to represent the bulls and cows on their farms. Ancient rituals reflected this harmony and no doubt these...